Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm. Today we'll be exploring the scripture readings for the 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. That will be September 5th, 2021. And we're, again, we're in cycle B, which, in which the Gospel of Mark is the predominant gospel. There is no favoritism with God, Romans 2.11 tells us. James tells us that favoritism and distinctions between believers is to be avoided. If God does show favoritism, it is for the vulnerable. And when he shows that favoritism, it is often done in a manner that confounds conventional wisdom. We're called to open ourselves to God's work in our lives. God wants to heal us of those things that make us less whole as human beings, whether that's our deafness, our bondages, our inabilities, or our unwillingness to follow him. John fourteen twelve, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. This is not only a promise, it's a challenge. Do you believe enough to take this challenge from Jesus and put it into practice? Let's look at the first reading. This is a prophecy that uh, of who the Messiah is supposed to will be from Isaiah. Uh, and it's it's something that we need to take to heart. And when we get to the gospel, we'll see that, that Jesus fulfills this prophecy, at least in one particular case. And we can look at some other cases along the way uh, where he did this. It begins, it's Isaiah 35, verses 4 through the first part of verse 7. Thus says the Lord, say to those whose hearts are frightened. Now that uh, frightened is really... You know, it, we, we see so frequently, at least as 300 and some, 60 some times in the scriptures, be not afraid. So Isaiah is talking to those people who are already frightened and giving them reason not to be frightened. He says, be strong, fear not. Be strong. Sounds like what, he, what God told Joshua, be strong and stand firm, for you are the man to give this people possession of the land that I promised to their fathers. It's what we see in, is in uh, the sixth chapter of Ephesians where he says, be strong. You can't, you can't have God's strength unless you put on God's armor. And then Isaiah goes on to say, here is your God. His vindication, uh, he comes with vindication, with divine recompense. Now, those are some pretty big words that maybe don't make a lot of sense. And we need to take a look at what... What Isaiah 40 verse 10 says, and I'm going to read from the New Jerusalem Bible on this one. This is a few chapters down in Isaiah saying, Here is the Lord Yahweh coming with power. His arm maintains his authority. His reward is with him and his prize precedes him. So we're talking about here that God is coming to, to make things right for us. Okay, so that could be for those that are doing what God wants, of course, that's the reward. For those who don't, they're going to get the judgment. All right? Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag. Then the tongue of the mute will sing. Now, this is pointing directly to uh, the gospel that we'll read in a little bit. Let's look at Matthew eleven four 4-6. And Jesus answered them, said, this is when Jesus 
uh, John the Baptist was in, in prison and he sent his disciples to ask Jesus whether he was the Messiah or not. And so Jesus quotes them this, this scripture. He says, Jesus answered them, go and tell, what, tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor had the good news preached to them. And, the bless, and blessed is he who takes no offense at me. So Jesus is saying it, to, to John's disciples there, I am the one that fulfills the prophecies of who the Messiah is supposed to be. I am the one that fills the prophecies in Isaiah. You can also look at Luke 7.22 and get basically the same message. Now, Acts 3.8. Let's take a look at Acts 3.6-8, actually. Okay, so Peter and John were going to the temple and the man begs from them and Peter answers him, I have neither no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up, he stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So Peter here, takes that scripture to heart where Jesus says, you know, what I do, you'll do and even greater things. And Peter does this here. And we see here that Peter then is, is by extension, is a fulfillment of this prophecy because we see this man who was lame and he's leaping like a stag. All right. So what we've got all these promises that are tied together in this New Testament and the Old Testament, and we see them fulfilled in the New Testament, the promises. And then he goes on to say, streams will burst forth in the desert. And that, again, is that, that's that wilderness type of thing. Uh, the, the wilderness, the place where God takes his people to prepare from the slavery that they're in, to prepare them for the promise that he has. And then it says, and rivers in the steppe. And the steppe there it really is a word that means desert. Okay, so let's look, take a look at a couple of more prophecies from uh, Isaiah, let's look at Isaiah 41, 18. Again, this is a few chapters down from what we see here. It says, uh, the prophecy is, I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Then Isaiah 43, verses 20 and 21, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, they, that they might declare my praise. Again, God works these miracles in lives so that we can praise him for the great work that he's doing. Are you doing that? Again, then it finishes up with the burning sands will become pools and the thirsty ground springs of water. The, the responsorial psalm is just loaded with a lot of things. And we're going to do the gospel first and the second reading. And if we have time, we'll come back and, and look at the responsorial psalm. It's psalm 146, various verses from 6 through 10. So uh, be prepared for that if we have time. Let's take a look at the gospel. Well, uh, let's look at the uh, Alleluia verse. The Alleluia verse first is from Matthew 6, 23. It says, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom and cured every disease among the people. The note in the, the uh, New Jerusalem Bible uh, uh, for uh, for that verse, for its uh, note 
Matthew 4G says, Miraculous cures are the distinctive sign that the messianic age has dawned. And then it says, says see Matthew 10, 1, and 7 and following, and 11, 4 and following. So now let's take a look at the gospel. So what we're seeing here is that the miracles are the, the confirmation that the messianic age has come. So that's what that note in the New Jerusalem Bible says. So the gospel is from Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. Again, a short passage, but a lot in there. And again, Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so Tyre and Sidon were in what we today call Lebanon. So this was really predominantly Gentile territory. So he was in Tyre. And he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee. So he's on the northern Sea of Galilee into the district of the Decapolis. And if you look at what the Decapolis is, it's an area uh, basically predominantly Greek, but there were Jews there. And it was an area of 10 cities uh, based, that were established basically by the Greeks to introduce Greek, Greek culture to that area. And that was during the time of the Maccabees that most of that happened. And we can find something else that happened at, in that area if, if we look at Mark chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And this is where he cured the possessed man. And it says, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go be with him. But he refused and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And when he went, he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all men marveled. Again, when God works wonders in our life, the response that God wants is that we tell others of the wonders that he's done in the, our lives so that they may believe that Jesus is the Christ and God loves us and has hit our best interest at heart. It's, it's very important that we understand that. And the people brought to him a deaf man who had a speech impediment and begged him to lay hands on him. So people have already seen, we're in chapter 7 now, so we've seen various cures that Jesus has, has, has made through the first six chapters, well, six and a half chapters of, Mark, of Mark's gospel. So people realize that Jesus has power to change lives physically and we will also understand that Jesus has power to change lives spiritually. Uh, think of Mary Magdalene, for example. Think of the man who was lowered on the mat uh, through the roof, and Jesus told him, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus heals the whole person. And people understood that Jesus was a, had the power to heal. So they came to him and begged Jesus to lay hands on him because Jesus, by the laying on of his hands, it was shown that that is how Jesus typically healed. <clears throat> now, it's interesting here. He took him off by himself away from the crowd. Okay, do, do you have any... The concept there that I see is that Jesus didn't want to have a sideshow. He didn't want to have a magic act where people would applaud. He went away where he could do what he did without putting on a big show. Okay. So he put his finger in the man finger in the man's ears. Okay, so the first thing he does, he touched the ears, and then it said, and spitting touched his tongue. I don't know about you, but I'm not one who would particularly want someone to spit on my tongue. So Jesus did some very physical things 
with the parts of his body, this man's body, that were a problem. He was deaf and he was not able to speak clearly. So Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears and he went from his tongue to that man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven and groaned. Okay, he didn't do this big show of praying to his father. He basically groaned. He, it was empathy for the man. And he said to him, Epheta, which is, uh, that is, be opened. Epheta, be opened. Take care of the blockages. God, go in. I command you to open up those areas that are blocked. That's what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to open the areas of our lives that we have blocked to him. Perhaps we have done it ourselves by putting plugs in our ears so that we can't hear God, our spiritual ears. Or perhaps we have uh, decided that we're not going to speak to God, whatever. Jesus wants us to be open to him. And in this particular way, this is, this is a symbol for how God wants us to be with him. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to remove any blockages that there are to being able to hear what he has to say to us. And it says, and immediately the man's ears were opened and his speech impediment was removed and he spoke plainly. Let's look at Matthew 8, 1 to 3. And uh, that is uh, another healing. And it, it's not this healing of, of uh, deafness, but it says, and when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him and behold, a leper came up to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, or some translations say, if you want to, you can clean, make me clean. You can heal me. And he stretched his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. Now, Jesus, by touching the leper, made himself ritually impure. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a proof for the people. And then in, in our text that we're reading here, and he ordered them to tell, not to tell anyone. So Jesus wants them to remain, this to remain something that's not a topic of conversation, that you that you don't go on one of the local talk shows or on the, sun, the evening news and see an account of what Jesus has done. And we'll look at Mark chapter, uh, chapter 1, the verse M, uh, uh, note M. Again, it, it, we've had this several times before, and it says, Jesus forbids the, the news that he is the Messiah to be spread by devils, in that case, by those he cures, in this case, and even by the apostles. The silence is not to be broken until after his death. Since the prevailing idea of the Messiah was a nationalistic and warlike in sharp contrast to his own ideal, Jesus had to be very careful, at least on Israelite soil, to avoid giving a false and dangerous impression of his mission. Okay, so Jesus is doing this because he is the Messiah, but he's not the Messiah. If he declares himself to be Messiah, then immediately uh, uh, he will be an enemy of Rome. And it's not time yet for him to die. So, and immediately the man's ears were his boots. But the more he ordered them not to, the more they proclaimed it. And they just like people. 
I've got this, I've got to tell you something, but I, you don't tell anybody else. Isn't that usually the way gossip starts? They were exceedingly astonished and they said, he has done all things well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. Let's look at Mark 9, 25. And when Jesus saw the crowd running, this is where the, the man had the epileptic son and the apostles weren't able to heal him. And th th there was an interchange between Jesus and the man. And the man said, if you can do anything, heal him. And Jesus said, if I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And the father said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now let's look at verse 25. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. So this child was mute and deaf also. So Jesus takes care of it before the people can run up and see the show. Okay. Now let's look again at Isaiah 42, verses four, uh, verse 7. Well, let's actually look 6 to 8. And this is a prophecy again of the Messiah. And it's, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind and to bring pris out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to graven images. Jesus wants to take us out of the bondages that we're in, whether that bondage is deafness, uh, a prisoner to sin, uh, or addictions, a prisoner of ways of thinking, a prisoner of blindness. What is it that's got you tied up to where you cannot come to Jesus fully? Ask Jesus to loose the bonds that are keeping you from being fully his disciple, your unwillingness to do his will your unwillingness to hear what he has to say to you. And it's very important that we do that. Okay, let's look at the second reading now. This is from James, and if you haven't guessed, James is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. James and Jonah are probably two of my favorite books. And First uh, Peter probably comes in second, uh, is listed among that. And began, this is James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, My brothers and sisters, show no partiality. And that word partiality, the Greek word means favoritism. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 17, and the, uh, the fourth stanza of that verse. And that will say, You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall not hear the small, and, or, pardon me, you shall not, be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be afraid to face of the face of man, for the judgment is God's, and the case is too hard for you. You shall bring me, and I will hear it. God, Jesus said, you know, judge not that you not that you not be judged. Uh, in showing partiality, we're judging another person. Typically, that judgment is done upon externals, uh, thoughts, words, actions, appearance. And we're not supposed to do that. Note D for Deuteronomy says, must be impartial. Literally, do not raise your face. That is, do not show benevolence or more particularly favoritism in judgment. Judges are to imitate the sovereign impartiality of God. This is also a recurrent theme in the prophets, and there are a series of scripture reading 
references to that that you can look if you look at the New Jerusalem Bible look at Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse D for if a man with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly so somebody who obviously has lots of money and you pay attention and a poor patient person in shabby clothes also comes in you are paying attention to the one wearing the fine clothes etc so there's a note again in the new jerusalem bible that says james is writing to jewish christians it is possible that they may have even been attending jewish synagogues or that they, or it may be his word for christian assembly for the liturgical service now so so the word assembly there is really synagogue which is uh from where we get the word synagogue, which would be the meeting place for Jews. So he's saying if someone comes into your midst where you are with other believers, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? You're going to give the person that, that appears to be fine a place of prominence and the other one you sort of put in the background? Do you give the one that has the the good appearance, the place that the Pharisee had we, in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican, and you give the poor person, the person that looks shabby and doesn't have anything to offer, uh, the place in the back like the publican had. And if you look at that parable, you, you see that it is the, it's the one that has nothing that looks bad in the eyes of the people is the one that has the heart that's closest to God. And so, and God has a preference for the poor. If he has anything, he has a preference for the poor, the widow, and the orphan. And you can see that several places in the Old Testament, which I failed to look up for you. So you'll have to look for those on your own. Uh, sit here while you say to the poor, and stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourself? And that word there to make distinctions means to separate. So you, you separated people by their you judge their worth in God's eyes their, their worth in your eyes does not necessarily reflect the worth that God sees okay so listen my beloved brothers and sisters do not did not God choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to give to those who love him so let's look at note C here in the uh, uh, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem Bible. Uh, those who are poor in money, but rich in faith. Okay, and one, there's one more scripture that we need. He promised to those who love him. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. For consider your call, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to the flesh. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring them to nothing. Things that are so are, are so that the flesh might boast in the presence of God. So again, God chose chooses us in our poverty. Where are you poor? I don't care how much money you have. There's there's an area of your life where you are poor, where you are weak. Bring that to God. That's what God wants. Bring it to Him, and 
He's, he, he wants to take that and administer to that. As I promised, we will take a look at the gospel. We've got a few minutes for the response oil psalm. And that's, again, 146 verses 6 through 10, various verses. And the, the response is, praise the Lord, my soul. We are to praise God in all things, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And the first verse that we have there, the God of Jacob keeps faith forever. And I'll give you a couple of uh, scriptures here that, that kind of goes with it. Uh, Psalm 121, verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124, verse 8, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 103, verse 6, Yahweh acts with uprights, with justice to all who are oppressed. Psalm 86, or pardon me, 68, verse 6, God gives the desolate a home to dwell in and leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious live in a parched land. And again, Isaiah 49, going back to Isaiah, uh, verse 9, saying to the prisoners, come forth, to those who are in darkness appear. They shall be fed along the way. On the bare heights shall be their pasture. And finally, Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. There's plenty more there, and there's a list of things that he's going to do that are listed in that psalm, and I invite you to read that. With that, I'm going to call it a day and uh, ask you to continue to look at these scriptures, examine them, examine your heart, see what it is in you that is causing your deafness to the Lord. See what is causing your blindness to the works of the Lord and the direction that the Lord is calling you. God doesn't want you to be spiritually blind. He does not want you to be spiritually deaf. He does not want you to be spiritually incapable of speaking. He wants you to speak his praises and expect that from God. It's what God wants. And, that, and the question that we have to ask, or each of us has to ask ourselves, how much, how badly do I want to be healed of what prevents me from being a follower of Jesus in a manner that he wants me to be? Is it enough for him to spit on my tongue? Is it enough for him to place me among people I would rather not be with. God bless you. You have a great week, and I hope that we get together again next week.